Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we're back. Welcome back. Back. I'm back. I'm back. You're back. I'm back. We're all back. I'm back. It's been a couple weeks for us. It hasn't been any weeks for you guys. Well, it's been one week, I suppose. It's but been that's one week. That's true. Yeah. So we have been playing games, and mostly we wanted to talk about that. So we're going to talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed, and that's mostly me. And um, we're going to talk about <laughs> Mario Odyssey tonight, because they're both out, and I've been playing them a lot the last couple weeks. And yeah. you just got Mario Odyssey today, which I'm super excited like about. Today. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I slept for like six hours yesterday being like super sick. And like I'd been I'd been very like out of it over the weekend. I don't know if it's allergies, just sugar crashing after Halloween, which could potentially be it as well. Like I don't know what it is, but I've just been feeling bad lately. And when my wife came home uh, for lunch, she saw that I was lying around on the couch and just not feeling well at all, which is unlike me. And so she went and bought my Christmas present early, got a Switch, uh, took her uh, took extra on her lunch break, went and bought the Switch. And when she came home and I was still asleep, she woke me up by putting a Switch on my lap. So I was like... Oh, that's sweet. Okay, so we'll talk about Mario here in a minute, but I have to get some Assassin's Creed stuff off my chest. Right. <laughs> and yes, remind me again, you've played a little bit of one of the Assassin's Creed games? Yes, I've played a little bit of Assassin's Creed 2. Okay, that's what that I thought. I really like it, and it makes me want to play the rest of the games. It was, and I've got a Steam link that should be coming in soon where I'm going to hook it up and play it on the TV. So, I mean, I'm going to play through it soonish. Okay. But I just haven't done it yet. So I've played every mainline Assassin's Creed game, and right. it's a series that like I just pick up now. I don't even really look at the pre-release coverage. I just know that I'm going to like it and get yeah, it. Yeah, you're, you're going to get it. And this is the first one that's like really fallen flat for me, which is disappointing. It's it's not what I was after. I mean, I guess I should talk through like impressions of it. So my first impressions of even like the menu were a little bad. Like they use the destiny menu of like having a virtual cursor, which I never understood okay. on a console um, instead of just like hitting a button to jump between buttons in a menu. And I mean, but that's like a nitpicky thing. Another thing I noticed right away was that like my PS4 was actually kind of chugging on this game, especially really? in one of the first areas. And it, I don't know if I got used to it or if it just got better over time, or maybe it really is just the intro area where it was kind of yeah. like chugging along. And I didn't see anything about this in any of the coverage when I went back and looked, but most of those were also played on like either, you know, PS4 Pros or right. like PC or other systems. So I don't know if other people on like the normal PS4 have been experiencing it like I have. But this is the first right. one that I feel like my system is chugging and probably one of the first PlayStation 4 games where I've felt like that at all. And that makes me really sad to hear because I bought the original PlayStation 4 instead of the Pro when I grabbed one, specifically because the way that the specs looked, that there wouldn't really be any reason to get a Pro over a 4 without running in 4K. That even the stuff that I was seeing side by side comparisons were either the original did slightly better or there was no real difference in terms of anything other than Super HD. Yeah. And, you know, this is honestly the first time like I've felt like this at all. So there's something to be said for like most games are optimized to the original hardware spec. I don't think mm -hmm. it's a big issue. It's just I don't know. I, I noticed it in this game and maybe it was because... I was paying a lot of attention because I normally really like yeah. Assassin's Creed. I don't know why it stuck out to me, but it did. So after like a little bit of that, the main first impression I got from the first hour or two is that the intro is just bad. Like, it, this is the worst intro to any Assassin's Creed game ever. Okay, so you told me that, and you told I saw you tweet about it. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm really curious on how the intro is bad, because in 2, I didn't like the intro to it either. That once I got in with Ezio, everything was fine, but I didn't like the real, the well, I say the real life one, uh, the, uh, the modern take on it. I didn't like that area nearly as much as I did the Assassin part. So, how is this one bad? Because I already 
majority didn't enjoy what might be the best one. So some of the other ones, like you start in the real world, like you said, and then or the modern day world, and then you like jump into the character, and then it gets better. Um, other ones are just they're paced a bunch of different ways. Assassin's Creed Three actually has a very interesting intro, which if you've never played it, I don't want to spoil it for mm-hmm. you because there's kind right, of a right. twist. I actually have it. Okay. Yeah. There's a twist at the end of that intro before you hit the real game. That's like, oh, that's that's actually fairly clever. Um, okay. That actually might be the best intro to any of the games is Assassin's Creed 3 and what they do with the whole thing. This I one, may do that. I may just install it just to play that and not go through the actual game just to see that then because it was part of the Steam bundle or the uh, Humble bundle I picked up. Yeah, this one doesn't tell you the premise of the game or any of like the grounding uh, principles of what's even going on in the world. Like It just oh. does not introduce you to the world. It drops you into this character who's already had, well, eventually I figured this out because I played a ton of the game, who's already had, like, the worst thing happen in his life that's going to happen. And, yeah. But you don't know that. You're just dropped into this character okay. who's, like, about to go in some ruins and try to kill a guy. And okay. nothing is explained about it. And I felt like, I felt like okay, maybe they're going to give me a couple minutes of this, and then they would, like, jump back and explain some stuff. Right. And I felt like that for the first three hours of the game. Like that they were just missing the basic premise of who am I? What am I doing? What's my background? Why do I care about Egypt and the current historical issues at all? Like in the least, they just don't touch on that. You slowly figure it out. But like I said, I spent about two or three hours of this game right at the beginning just being like, why should I care? Which is a bad feeling to go into a game with. And I don't know, for me, not being an Assassin's Creed person, that doesn't sound that bad because I haven't been invested in any of them at this point at all. So as a newbie, that might not bother me as much. Well, it's it's even like the main character's premise is introduced, like who he is or what his deal is or where he fits in the world. You're just kind of thrown yeah. into it. And again, like you can go figure it out and you do figure it out eventually. But it's just a really bad introduction to an open world game where it should be setting you up with like, here's yeah. the world, here's where you fit in it, here's why it's interesting. Okay, go. You know, it skips that. And I think it's trying to skip it on purpose. So it's just like, hey, you're just in the world. Just go for it. And I, I really yeah. think it does a bad job. Yeah, I could totally see how that would, where they're trying to push the world more than the character. Yeah. Yeah. And... I don't know. The intro is bad. And then after I got out of the intro, like I, I just didn't even want to with the next part of the story because I wasn't invested. Mm. So the world opened up to me and then I immediately went and I did my normal Assassin's Creed thing of trying to get every single sync point that I could get to unveil the map. Like yeah. every high point that you climb to and you sink if you've never played the game, you climb up to yeah. a high point. And once you reach a perch that it's pretty obvious where it is on the minimap, you know, but the challenge is supposed to be getting to the top of it and then you sink and then you get a huge area of the map revealed to you. And that's honestly one of my favorite parts of Assassin's Creed, especially because they usually make the climbing in these games into challenges that you have to overcome. Like the climbing is almost a puzzle and you played enough to experience this, right? Yes, I have. And that was the part that... I see, and I didn't like this part as much as you do. I like the climbing and running and kind of uh, Prince of Persia aspect of it. But for some reason, I never got into the actually unlocking pieces of the map. Like that part felt kind of tedious to me. And it did... it also did in Zelda as well. Uh, when Breath of the Wild was doing the same thing with the towers, it felt kind of tedious having to make sure that I climbed up and did that first rather than just being able to scout it as I went. And I enjoy it just because it like gives you something to aim for that makes you end up in a climbing challenge. So true. did you like the fact that climbing in the games that you've played for Assassin's Creed is like a little bit challenging and you have to think about it and like your approach up a building? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. And that was one of the things that I really liked about it because none of the stuff that I was climbing on was just really ever a straight shot up. There were things that I saw that I wanted to be able to do that I wanted to get up to and never was able to because I wasn't good enough yet. But I had no clue how to do that yet. So I love that feeling too. And I really like that puzzly challenge aspect of climbing in Assassin's Creed games. That is entirely gone in this game. It's, It's not there. And I've always seen that as a core part of the series. In this game, it's always either just a straight shot up or such an obvious path up that it might as well not exist. 
Like it's, I mean, part of it is the setting. I think that they just picked right. a really bad setting to do an Assassin's Creed game. Like there's not a lot of verticality in the ancient world of Egypt, you know? Yeah. I mean, that there, there is other in the ancient world, but that was what I was thinking about with Egypt. I mean, just with the, depending on how they design the levels, you, there are places that could be, but in general, Egyptian architecture wasn't necessarily sprawling vertically. It was way more horizontal because of the climate. Yeah. And it is. And it's to the detriment of the game and the gameplay systems of climbing in general. Like, right. I normally have tons and tons of fun climbing in Assassin's Creed games, which is one of the reasons I love Breath of the Wild climbing, too. I know you and I have talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I didn't have fun climbing in this game. So it's like a whole core gameplay part that I love that's just absent, which really, really yeah. hurts my enjoyment of the game. And And that's actually what I was about to say. That's kind of like one of the things. It's like if you take Smashing Goombas away from Mario, it's like, well, it's a good game, but I really do kind of want to jump on things. Yeah, I was just missing it. And I mean, there's a couple other things with this game if I want to get nitpicky. But like, I mean, it's buggy in some ways, but every Assassin's Creed game is a little bit buggy. It's a little bit janky, like whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, I still did go to every like sync point and get everyone because I enjoy that. And I was like, okay, that, you know, by the end of it, I was in a better mood from the intro to go back and try the story again. So once I got into the story, I realized that like, Normally, I get really invested in the character story, especially like Ezio, right? Like Ezio has a trilogy of games, and I cared about him by pretty early into the Assassin's Creed 2, and then I cared about him all through the rest of his games. And I have not cared about the main character in this game at all, and I'm probably 75% of the way through. I looked up a guide to see kind of like what I had left of the main story. Right. Yeah. I, I just don't care. Like, he, his story is not interesting in this world. The main thing in his life that was going to happen that affected him the most happened before you got there as a player. And this okay. is kind of the fallout, but not in a very interesting way. It's in an extremely obvious way that I just, I, I don't know. I just don't feel inspired to, like, keep going with his story. That being said, that's kind of like the personal and character story. Um, the other yeah. side of it is that there's a historical narrative going on here that's like yes. Cleopatra and Ptolemy and, you know, um, I'm sure Caesar is going to show up because they've talked about a couple things around it. I didn't get far enough to see him yet, but I, I don't see how he couldn't. And okay. that's interesting. Yes. And th- that's actually the reason I wanted to play the game more than anything else is because I love the setting and I also love the history around it. So if they were able to tie it in and do cool things, kind of like they did with the American Civil, not Civil War, the American Revolution like they did with the American Revolution, then that would be interesting to me to be able to see what they're playing with. But it depended on how they did it, whether or not it would be worth the money for me. Yeah, and you know, it's happened before in Assassin's Creed games where the historical story is more interesting than the personal. I would say that what you were just talking about, Assassin's Creed 3, is probably a really good example of that, where the main character ends up being fine, but not (laughs) <laughs> Not all that interesting. It's it's really the story of the revolution that's good there. And the thing is, it's just in this, in Assassin's Creed Origins, it's few and far between. Whereas when it's gone this balance, you know, in past games where the history is more interesting than the personal, you can mainline that historical setting and get really invested in that, even though you're not that invested yeah. in the main characters. In this, they've added levels and they've added gear okay. and they've added like, procedurally generated rpg gear with different color codings to it and basically every Uh, rpg system that exists out there right now that's super generic they tacked all that onto this game and they mm. made levels a thing and levels were kind of a thing before but it was almost like unlocking bonus abilities that added to your arsenal right like in past assassin's creed games you like if you'd never upgraded your gear and you didn't really spend those points for levels to get extra abilities if you yeah. were skilled at the game you could defeat end game like characters and bosses and you could beat the whole game with like you know a low ability run or like a low health run okay. or like stuff like that right there was skill to the game and you know the combat was kind of along the lines of you know that batman-ish kind of you know shadow of yep. war type combat where you have to watch what's going on you have to parry you have to counterattack, stuff like that yes. but if you were good at it again and it, especially if you were good at the stealth and using like the assassinations and stuff like 
you could your skill would shine through beyond any gear that you had or equipment you had or level ups that you had done that has been thrown out the window this game has levels that severely impact how you play the game like if there are enemies more than i think it's like four levels above you so anything like five levels or higher above you right instead of having a level above that enemy's name which is another thing that never happened before but you know as they turned it more into an rpg it's just a skull above that character's name and you do so much less damage to them that there's no point in even trying and some of them will just instant kill you so it's not about your skill and it's not about understanding the combat system. It's about, did you do enough grinding so that you can do the next mission? Which And that's not the kind of thing I want in, I don't want a, it either. in, in an action game. No. no. And I get irritated in action games. One of the reasons I don't play a lot of them is because I don't want the, I don't want the RPG elements to actually be full-on RPG elements. And a lot of them are going that route like this, where when I'm playing an action game, I don't want to have to grind for levels that I don't want to have to upgrade my armor because I don't even enjoy that in most RPGs. I do it because I have to, and I've actually been put off of some RPGs because of it. And I don't want to do that in a game like this where I just want to go around and stealth kill people, get through the story, and actually play play the action adventure that I'm playing. It seems like that's a... That, that's a modern sense of modern gaming sensibility that is shoehorned in yeah it doesn't feel like a good fit which is interesting because i know my reaction is different than like all of the critical reception that i've seen and maybe it's because i just really liked this game series before and they're taking it in a new direction and i like it less now maybe other people didn't like where it was before and they're happy to see it move this way it i mean in taking a system where I used to be able to take on endgame enemies with like almost starter gear with no upgrades and it felt elegant to do it that way. You know, um, and now I can't. And then on top of that, like assassinations are always instant kill. Like it's a core okay. tenant of the game, right? If you sneak up on someone and you hit them in the neck with your hidden blade knife, like they will die. This is how okay. this series works. That doesn't exist anymore. If they are higher level than you and you like assassinate them, half the time they'll just get up and they'll be like, no, I'm fine. Like it, <laughs> it's just taking away so many of the core tenets of the game that I, I don't know. I, I think that the interplay of the leveling system, the gear system and the combat, which just kind of feels like the most generic brawlers out there, it mm. ruined this game for me. And mm-hmm. I hate that for you. I hate that for me too. Thank you. Um, but the the problem is probably I came into this wanting an Assassin's Creed game and other people may have been coming into this wanting an open world Egypt game. So right. with everything I've said in mind, if you haven't ever played Assassin's Creed before and you like open world games in general and you're very interested in Egypt and you just want an open world Egypt game, you could probably really love this game. If you have no like preconceptions of what an Assassin's Creed game should be, you could easily jump into this and love it. It's just me with my baggage from the series because I loved the other games in the series so much that what they did to Assassin's Creed Origin, their origins, like it makes it feel like a generic Ubisoft open world game for me. And okay. so I stopped playing it. I mean, I mean, that's kind of my conclusion here. Like, I'm done. I stepped away. I'm probably going to uninstall it tonight now that we're done talking about it. Like, I just don't want to touch this game again. And you're not going to finish it. You're not even going to get through the mainline story rather than going through the extra stuff and exploring. You're actually going to be done and finish this. This is going to be the first Assassin's Creed game that you don't completely finish. It will. It will be the first mainline Assassin's Creed game that I don't finish. And I even looked for... This is how much I like the series, right? I wanted to go back to, like, the feeling of, okay, like, instant kill for assassinations and, like, just let me mainline the historical story because there's something there, right, that, like, scratched a little bit of the itch. And if I could just finish it without worrying about grinding out levels... I was going to. So I went into their cash shop ready to spend money to level myself up to max level. Like if they had had something in there for five or maybe even honestly, because I love the series, $15, that would have been like max out all your power, max out all your level. I would have dropped money right then just so I could go through and like play through the game because I'm invested in the series. But it wasn't there. You know, they have other stuff. They have other things that are time savers, but like I couldn't skip the leveling, which was really the rub with this one. 
Okay, that you, I didn't know there was a cash shop on this. So going back, you know, referencing what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with the Shadow of War loot boxes, Battlefront, all of this stuff with the with the microtransactions, what are they selling on here? Because I was 100% unaware of a cash shop in uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Not a lot that's interesting. I mean, they're selling some of like the DLC in there is the main thing. But also, like if you want to buy crafting materials so that you don't have to go hunt them in the open world, stuff like that. You know, you can okay. buy some gear, but it's not... I mean, they've had cash shops in Assassin's Creed with their like Ubisoft credits for the last like four or five games. It's just something in the background that you can ignore. And if you don't specifically go looking for the menu, you would never run into it. You know, Okay. whereas like Shadow of War, if you no matter what, you're going to see that menu and they're going to shove it in your face. They're going to give you free stuff to try to get you hooked. And like it's part of the game that they designed it around to try to get players to go there. Okay. this one doesn't feel like that. But I went there ready to spend money, and the thing I wanted wasn't there. So I stepped away from this one. All this being said, I still love the series. So if you've never played an Assassin's Creed game, and what I mentioned about like open-world Egypt doesn't appeal to you, I would still recommend Assassin's Creed 2 or Assassin's Creed Syndicate as the best places to start. Um, Assassin's Creed 2, if you want like Italy in renaissance it's renaissance italy yeah with Ezio, and it's a self-contained story that's great in assassin's creed 2 but then also if you really like it Ezio's story continues over two more games over the course of his life so you can get into a bigger sprawling epic that all ties together and i really like that trilogy of games so assassin's creed 2 is a great place to start or if you want something a little more modern or a different setting assassin's creed syndicate is really good and not a lot of people bought it when it came out two years ago. I know I'm in yeah. a minority here, but it's fun. It, it's, I mean, it's Industrial Revolution England, and it has a ton of, like, modern gameplay conveniences that the other Assassin's Creed games don't have. Like, they're still fine without it, but it's the most streamlined one that's come out in a long time. And I really, really like Syndicate. I'm actually thinking that when I delete Origins, I might re-download mm-hmm. Syndicate and play it again. Wow. Just to be able to scratch that itch of, I want to play an Assassin's Creed game, dadgummit. Yeah, that's exactly right. So those are my recommendations. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. And I feel better. I think I might still like this. This does not sound like a $60 game to me. This may be a spring or summer Steam sale when it's 30 I can totally see myself playing this. And um, if you, you know, set your expectations, did, like if you go yeah. into this expecting an, an open world Ubisoft Egypt game and you have those expectations going in, I think yep. you could really like it because I know you like Egypt a lot. Yeah, I do. And that's one thing that I think I might even like this one better than the Ezio games because I don't like the setting on those. That's one of the things that's actually pushing me away from it is that Ezio and everything is really cool and the story is interesting, but the Renaissance Italy stuff is completely uninteresting to me. I've never been interested in that period in time. So whenever I don't have this feeling of, oh, I need to go see what's going on and, and, and experience this, it's like, all right, it's there. I just I just don't like that setting as much. So that's one of the things on this one and Assassin's Creed 3 that makes me think I might like it better. Or yeah. not necessarily better, but uh, be more of a fit for me. Yeah, totally. No, you'll have to let me know if you pick it up on the yeah. cheap later. Because like yeah, I said, it'll be on the cheap. You, If you have the right expectations going into this game, or if you've never played an Assassin's Creed game before, listener, like you might really like it. It might be a good fit. But I wanted to start with Assassin's Creed because I knew I was less happy with it. So that we could get to Mario, because right. Mario Odyssey is like pure joy. Like that, that <laughs> is what I feel every time I boot up this game. And okay, I loved this game. I actually like we're getting towards the end of the year here. And my first year at this job has been so busy that I just realized how much PTO I have to use before the end of the year. And I don't know where right. to spend it. I haven't taken days off, really. So No, you haven't. No, so I made a long weekend with Mario in it, and I basically took that Friday that it came out, and I played Mario literally the entire day. Like, I got my kids out the door to school, my wife went to work, and I had the house to myself, and I played Mario until the kids walked in the door, and they're like, what have you been doing? And I was like, I literally played Mario from the time you walked out the door until just now. And then I got them dinner. And then I played it again until I went to bed. Like, I played probably 12 hours in one day of Mario Odyssey. 
And I, I mean, like the, I beat it, like beat with air quotes around it, because when you see the credits roll of this game, like you've barely scratched the surface of it. You know, right. I wasn't trying to mainline it like every world you end up in. You have. Well, you know, because you started to play today. You have those little like right. empty circles of how many moons you need. Yes. Yeah. So and that's okay, like, so with those. The, yeah, that's like the required amount to get to the next level. I would always just explore oh. the world for fun. So every single world, I had about twice as many as I actually needed before I moved on to the next level. And I still beat okay, it in see, like 10 hours. I didn't know that. I thought that the circles were all of the ones in the level. And then there were specific moons that you could that you had to get to move forward. Oh, no, so not I even close. And I haven't done that. Like, I haven't uh, even gotten past the... I'm in the first world, technically, after you get everything. The It's technically the third world, but it's the sandy world, the first real one. Oh, and so yeah. I haven't even gotten through all of it yet uh, to see that. So, I mean, I've just had it today, this morning, and I've been working all day, too. So um, I didn't realize that was how the moons like that worked. Okay. Yeah, so I think... To beat the game and see the credits roll, you need somewhere in the realm of like 100 to like 120 moons. And okay. when I finished the game and I saw the credits roll at the end of that first day, that marathon session of play, <laughs> I had about 240. So I'm guessing okay. I had like double the amount that you actually need to get to the credits. And even then, I feel like I barely scratched the surface. So I looked into it and there's over 800 moons in this game. Like, okay. there are moons everywhere it's not like stars used to be in mario 64 like they put some moons are super obvious like if you just look around the landscape there's just some sitting around places yeah there are some like actually i walked over a hill and there was a moon between two cacti yeah and for everyone like that there are some that are like super hidden and buried and like you're you know you really have to explore to find it or you have to go into a different like you know self-contained smaller world and do like a platforming Uh challenge or something but there's just there's moons everywhere and like you can actually go if you pause and look the map you can go into the list and see the list of moons that are in there oh i hadn't even gone into the map yet yeah and the other thing with the moons is that don't feel like you need to be a completionist on your first time through the game because after you see the credits roll you literally unlock half the moons or more there's something that happens so that you want to go back to every one of the worlds Uh, and when you go back to each world for the first time you can trigger a thing that literally just like unlock unleashes all the other moons in that level oh cool yeah okay. so i'm still playing like my daughter and i are still playing i mean i've been watching her do her first playthrough of it which she's working on it every day which is fun to see and i keep going back to my game and just adding moons i think i'm somewhere in the 400s now because after that marathon okay. day i moved over to like casual mode you know yeah i think you should have that i think that was a good choice yeah but i mean it's it's really fun like i keep going back to it i'm probably gonna be playing this game for the next month or two very casually and i don't see myself taking it off the switch ever because why would i yeah actually i ended up buying it on the switch i told you about this this morning that we we ended up buying there's an app called ibotta and one of the things that they did was it's a cash back app that if you uh just you go in and if you buy anything through that app like it'll take you to amazon or walmart or gamestop that there's always a percentage that you get in cash back and it's super useful and they had a 20% cash back on a lot of stuff so we ended up actually ordering Mario Kart 8 and Mario Odyssey before a switch to get the 20% off on them because they capped at 20 bucks and so they we got the physical copies of it but i wanted to play it today when Jennifer brought me the switch last night so we're just going to return that we're going to we're just going to eat that like $11 discount but because i realized that because of how good you said this was and how good Austin said this was that I would probably never delete this off of my switch and it would just let me keep another game in the system to swap between that uh, because I do still do physical games uh, but it will absolutely stay on there from what I can tell that I I really have no doubt in my mind that, that is that is exactly the reason that I bought it digitally too I really like that it's like this Mario is the first adventure game Mario in a while, too. Yes. You know, because there's almost, like, there's platforming Mario and there's adventure game, like, exploration Mario. And right. I like them for different reasons. I think that if I had to rank Mario games overall, I probably like the platforming ones a little bit better. But mm. this would be my top 
one from like the adventure side you know from like mario 64 sunshine all of those and sunshine was never one of my favorite games like i was actually kind of disappointed in sunshine and galaxy because i wanted a mario 64 sequel that i wanted that gameplay again on a better system and booting this up I feel immediately this that's what this is. Mario Odyssey feels like a direct successor to Mario 64 unlike any other Mario game that I've played yet. Oh, it is. It is. And th- there are some glorious Mario 64 throwbacks after the credits roll that I'm not going to spoil okay. for you, but they are okay, there. Great. And if it wasn't already apparent by the time you get there, then it's very apparent that like, yes, this is a successor to 64 in a way that none of the other games have ever been. And it's it's awesome that I absolutely love playing this. It took me a little bit to get used to the controls, though. It was strange. This is the first Mario game that I've ever played. And it might just be the the control, the controllers, something. It feels just a little loose on the controls where I'm so used to Mario being so precise I don't feel as though I have that precision on this game. Did you have that that feeling or issue when you first started out with it? Um, only when I tried all of the different control schemes and like I tried right. I tried to do the way they suggested with like a controller in each hand and that was what yeah. made it feel bad for me. As soon as I moved to okay. the pro controller or handheld mode, it felt great. Okay. See, for me it's even just running around with it that uh, that does it. And I was curious about the pro controller cuz I don't have one that w- because so much of it is motion based like to spin like to throw the hat in a circle around you, you shift the the Joy-Cons to the left uh, together. Do you do that with the pro controller as well or are there button shortcuts for it? Uh th- both. So there are a couple okay. of button shortcuts that are you can do it on any control scheme, I think. Um, mm. But there's also motion controls in the Pro Controller that work just fine. So I use some of those. Yeah. But you really don't need them to get through the game. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's it. so far, even within that first world, it feels like a lot of them are almost for funsies. That that it's neat. There are these things here that you can do, but I haven't seen the need for some of this stuff because it doesn't seem to do anything too different than anything else. Yeah, you don't really need it. And I mean... There are so many just like cool little things in this game. Like, I mean, you've already seen coins. Have you seen all the purple coins in levels that are like unique Uh, to the level? Yes, I've seen a couple of different kinds of those where you can buy different costumes yeah, that's and what different I want to talk hats about. and things like that. That um, I did not I think like. I would have fun dressing Mario up in tons of different costumes and hats, but that yeah. ended up being like this just super fun thing to do in this game. And I ended up doing it like I would get to a new level for the first time and be like, Mario, your outfit does not match. We have to fix this. <laughs> and I would. Like I would take him back into the Odyssey and like... <laughs> rearrange what he was wearing because i was like you can't wear snow gear on a beach level what are you doing mario anyway i mean it was my decision to put him in the snow gear for the snow level but you know he couldn't be in boxer shorts on a snow level like that was his fault but i guess i put him in that i mean i i really really had fun dressing mario up and i never got sick of changing his outfit which is something that i didn't think i wanted in the game but now i know that i really enjoyed it in this one and I'm laughing so hard at this because that is something that I do not consider being something you care about even a little in games. It's not normally. That when there it is a cosmetic, it, because they're purely cosmetic, oh, yeah. right? The oh, only yeah, totally. thing that they do is that they might unlock a moon or something like that to be dressed up at a certain NPC, but you, <laughs> you like you don't get like cold resistance bonuses or anything like you do in breath of the wild it is solely because you don't want mario in his boxer shorts in the snow and i love it i felt bad he was shivering i mean it's he does yeah he does shiver so he like, gets hot and cold part of it is just the way that like he acts in the world and i was like no I, I want him to fit in with the world that he's in so i ended up having a ton of fun getting costumes and hats and stuff and i mean there's other cool things too like there's 2D in this game, which you've probably yes. had to run into Oh, it's now. so good. It's, it is so much fun. I love it. Yeah, it turns you into that 8-bit pixel Mario from yep. back in the day from when I started playing video games. And one of the things that you might not have noticed yet because you're still early, but whatever yeah. costume you have on transfers into an 8-bit costume of that Mario. Okay, no, I haven't changed his actual costume, just his hat so far. Uh, I haven't actually put on anything over instead of his uh, his coveralls, so it'll be interesting to see. I did not know that. That is great. Yeah, and I mean, it's like 
uh, there's a ton of fun stuff. I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that you can like throw your hat and take over so many different things in this game, so many yes. different guys and characters, and like and a, and like a cactus that's just standing there and yeah. it, like just hops a couple of steps and it's like okay, that's cool, right? Thanks, thanks cactus. And there's um, so when you get to the first swimming level, like I've never liked swimming levels in Mario, and I was yes. like, oh, I have to deal with a swimming world, like a, a water world, but. There are cheap cheeps in it, and you can go throw your hat at a cheap cheap, and then you can just swim like a fish underwater and not worry about breathing. And um... it's the first time I've ever not hated a swimming level in Mario. Which wow, that that is that's a lot. I didn't love those levels, but they're still they were they were good, right? Like at the end yeah. of finishing those levels, oh, yeah. I was like, that was a good level. Whereas normally in Mario, you do a swimming level and you're like, can this just be over, please? Like I'm thinking back to Mario 64 and it's just like I hated them that every time I hated them, I don't want to play those at all. I never like swimming levels. I hate watching people play swimming levels. It's rough to do. But I mean, this is it's a really good game. You like it It so far? It really is. I do. I love it so far. I am really impressed so far. And I love the 2D part because, I mean, I wanted to to let... If you haven't played it, you guys, or you haven't seen it, that it's a lot like uh, Link Between Worlds where you, like, it's... You're scaling up a building, let's say, or you you need a there's no platform to jump up, but you go into a pipe and you do a small 2D like mini level. And then by the time you finish jumping and platforming, you're at the top of where you need to be in the 3D world. Uh, And it's just it's just neat. It reminds me of Super Paper Mario, uh, whichever one it is, the thousand year door or something like that when you went into 3D d instead of 2d it's just the opposite of that where it's really really neat the way that they've done this and i wasn't sure after i did the first one how it would feel and they've integrated it so well that it's like yay there's another 2d area instead of oh there's another 2d area yeah that it's there's it a really straight cool up. one too once you get towards the end of new donk city for like the okay. story missions there uh when you do let me know what you think of that one okay yeah. Right, I will. I love the name of that town, by the way, that area, New Donk City, that Austin messaged me this morning and said that he was on one that uh, uh, that there is a moon where you have to jump rope a hundred times. And he said that he was having horror flashbacks from Final Fantasy nine on the PS4 to get his trophy. And uh, but he but that paid less attention to that and just giggled at the for at the town new donk city i'm like <laughs> yeah i love it so it's much fun. and okay so i'm sure we'll talk about this more next week uh because you've, you'll be playing it and you'll have more thoughts the one other oh, yeah. thing i wanted to mention before we jump off of it is that there are no lives in this game and i think that is such a good decision for mario to just like they've more and more been just super generous with like one-ups in the past i don't know like three games or so and, right, see, and I haven't played any since uh, since Mario Galaxy 2, I believe, because I didn't have a Wii U. Okay, I think that was the last one where it was more traditional with, like, lives in it. Um, okay. Ever since then, there, it, you just get lives all the time. You would get one-ups like crazy to the point where you never had to think about it, and it was like, why is this even in the game? So right. this game for Odyssey, they just removed those. And instead, anytime you die, it's more like Sonic. Like, you just lose some money. You lose coins. You lose, like, 10 coins for a life. But you never get a game over. You never have to, like, restart back at, you know, you you don't lose progress. It's just, like, a tiny setback and 10 coins. It's, like, no big deal. And I think... And it's so nice. It's so nice. It's so nice to have that in there. So I just wanted to mention that before we jump off of it. (laughs) Because and Jennifer is playing Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze right now, and she loves it. Like she's still playing it on the Wii U, and she just absolutely adores this game. And one of the things that she does because she hates the life system and the way that you have to restart and you lose progress, that she takes all of the coins and everything that she earns goes to Funky Kong and buys like thirty lives at a time, and then doesn't worry about it. She just does what she does, plays the level until she gets done, and then goes and buys more lives because it's easier and better to do that than it is to deal with uh, game overs and other kinds of power-ups. Yes, 
I agree, and that's a good point, and I'm glad they did it for this game, for sure. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Okay, uh, let's dive into the geeky offer of the week. This week, we have Gamefly one more time, because I feel like I'm almost done with my Gamefly subscription for the year. So you can go yeah. to gameflyoffer.com slash geek and get a free month trial on us if you want to rent games and get them sent right to you, and you just send them back, and they'll keep giving you them from your queue, which is what I've been doing for the last couple months. I think I'm right at the end. I think I'm going to try out Call of Duty, the new World War II one, and mm-hmm. that'll probably be my last one for the year. And then I'll cancel my subscription again until next fall-ish, just like I did this year. And I love this. And one thing I am sad about with your Gamefly this year is that none of them seemed really worth talking about this year. Last year, there were some interesting ones. And this year, it's just more of the same. That uh, that there wasn't anything great in the B-list this year. No, not really. Um, I think part of it was that there were so many like A-list games this year that yeah. it, it was just such a power and like good year in video games that a lot of the b-tier stuff just wasn't like you said it wasn't worth talking about um i i will have thoughts about call of duty i'm sure because i always do and i usually think the single player campaigns are fairly interesting so i can talk about that next week i literally have installed it and that's it so far so i wasn't actually aware it came out yet i thought it still had about two weeks before it released uh it just came out like last weekend ish something like that yeah. Okay, with that, it's time for a weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I know you have a new phone. I got a new phone. How's that going? It is going really well. This I swapped from the iPhone 7 Plus to the Samsung Galaxy Note 8. So I went from iOS to Android. And I've done this before. I went from, I think, the iPhone 4 or 5S to the... Uh, to the uh, Nexus 4, and I absolutely loved Android then, and I absolutely love Android now. That the swap does take a while for me to get used to. That it's, it is completely and totally different than it used to be, too. That I think I was on Lollipop at that point, so I, the, I'm on Nougat now, I think, and Oreo will be released next year. Uh, they do them in... Uh, for those of you who don't know, Android releases new versions uh, alphabetically, and they name each one about buy a candy. And now they're becoming branded because why not? Um, also, because you can't really think of a whole lot of of uh, candies that start with K or O without you know branded candies. But that's that's a not neither here nor there. But I love this phone. That it is huge. That it's even bigger than the than the iPhone 7 Plus, which is why I got it, because I got it to do a lot of work on, because I tended to do a lot on my phone anyway. And it turns out that I finally understand why it's a big deal that Samsung got the patent on curved on curved phone screens. And it's because I, you don't think about how much extra screen real estate you have when the bevel goes down like that, but when you're looking at it straight on and using it, you it adds so much extra space that you can see and read on. That as the bevel goes down, uh, the bezel goes uh, toward the edge, that you you just get massive amounts of screen there that that it adds about half an inch to the screen without adding but a few millimeters to the width and it doesn't look like it's that uh like it's that much and it really makes a big difference in terms of of the way that it the way that you use it and i had the note one back in the day and it I hated the Samsung stuff on it because Samsung always takes, and a lot of the companies do, they take base Android that comes on like the Google Pixel phones now, and they used to be the Nexus, and they put their own uh, mask over it. They they brand it, and they basically make it their own. And they finally made the Samsung TouchWiz is worth using that they have really good apps and software now where I don't feel the need to root and mod this and put a different operating system on it like I thought that I might. And they've really done a fantastic job on this phone where I'm sending the 7 Plus back soon and uh, gonna be, I'm going to be trying to sell my Apple Watch and grabbing a new Garmin uh, GPS watch with that money because this one... I'm really happy being on Android right now. It's there are a few things I wish were different 
that uh, the way that MMS messages work and that the quality of some videos when you send them over text messaging. But other yeah, than that, I was going to say the main thing minor things is just like I miss you being on iMessage, and we also ran Ooh. into some problems right when you switched. That like right, I, I told you I was having a busy week, but then also like after that i sent you a bunch of texts that like you just never got because they got sent yeah. through imessage and you're not on imessage anymore and then and that's later like you said something and i responded and i think that finally kicked it into the right mode and then you're yeah. like oh you, i thought you had a busy week and i was like well you haven't been responding to anything i've said so i don't right. know and you're like well, what do you mean so we figured it out like it was yeah caught in between imessage and text message and now it's fine but that transition period is kind of rough and what's really dumb about it is that they were supposed to have fixed this years ago, and there's even a process for removing your number from iMessage that boots you out of every device and deregisters them all so that it doesn't send anymore, but it doesn't work. That it only d works about half the time for half of the devices, and it's still a complete and total pain. That tonight is the first night that I have logged in on my laptop that I didn't get uh, iMessage messages pop up still from uh, on my from the old phone. It, it's fine now. Now that that's done, it, it's it's absolutely fine. But um, it's really I do miss that part of it. But it's actually made me start using like Facebook Messenger more, which I know you're not on. And it's also made me start using like Google Hangouts and stuff like that, where I could use it a lot easier with it being on uh, on my phone. So yeah. and on my laptop, so I could just keep it open. But I mean, workarounds rather than that. Uh, but iMessage is a better system overall. Like I wish there were a were an Android version of it. Yeah, I'm pretty committed to iOS at this point. Although I'm holding on to my phone as long as I can because it still has a headphone jack, and that's super important yep. to me. So and this has a headphone jack. That was one of the things that sold me on this one. Is I got really tired of having an adapter. It's got a headphone jack, and would you believe that's already been wonderful and handy for me? It's like oh, it's yeah. been two weeks, and it's like oh my goodness, a headphone jack. No, I probably. Man would have upgraded iPhones twice by now if they had the right jacks in them, but they don't. So yep. I'm I'm on what I'm on for a while now. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you like your new phone and switching back yeah, to Android. I do. That's I really cool. like it. Um, so I got the Switch is another thing that happened this week. Um, but uh, so we've talked about it. And I saw Thor Ragnarok. Have you, you haven't been able to see it yet, have you? No, I listened to a couple of spoiler casts like Rob's okay. on the network. You guys go yeah. listen to the comic box. There's a really good thor ragnarok prep episode and then a reaction episode afterwards so double recommendation true but yeah i loved it i mean i read or i listened to that and then i've i've read a couple reviews of it too like i'm not trying to avoid spoilers because i have no idea when i'm yeah. gonna get around to seeing it but i do want to see it at some point i'm excited for it i think that you should find a way to make the time to go see it even if it's you know a weekend i think that you and your wife would really like seeing it together because it is Outside of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I don't remember just cackling so hard in the theater that my stomach hurt. That I was laughing so much during this one that I'm fairly certain I annoyed the people behind me in the theater. They did such a good job of changing what people like you didn't like about Thor into what people liked about all of the other Marvel movies without sacrificing what I liked about Thor. And so I I really feel like they did a good job. The only thing I truly miss is that I miss Kat Dennings. I miss Darcy uh, because she was one of my favorite characters. And she's not in this because they went super cosmic and uh, really don't spend any time on Earth. Um, there are a few cameos and things like that through it uh, that I really enjoyed. But for the most part, this is what I wanted out of a fully cosmic Thor movie. And I'm super excited now to see what they do because the whole aesthetic of this was that grunge 80s kind of... Uh, uh, I don't even know what the the art style is, to be honest. That, uh, that gritty 80s sci-fi futurism. It's weird, but it works so well for this. And Kate Blanchett, my friend Barry, I hope he's listening to this because Kate Blanchett I usually don't like and she stole the show as Hella, that she was awesome and terrifying and wonderful that that oh i hope you get to see this movie because it feels like I'll like guardians three uh, i just i need to figure out when it, it might not be until 
I don't know. Work is super busy. Now is a very oh, busy yeah. time at work. So I, I want to see it. I just don't know when it's feasible to get around to seeing it. But <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that all the reviews are coming back and it sounds like a movie that I'm going to enjoy when I get to it. So that's good. And I I didn't think I was going to get to see it. I didn't know when I was going to get to see it. And uh, my friend uh, Adam texted us and was like, okay, I bought a ticket for 525 on Saturday uh, for Thor. And we're like, well, I guess we're going at 525 on Saturday to see Thor. And... Uh, so that that was what actually solidified that we were going to see it. And did so you watch I, the new Stranger Things too? I watched the first episode of oh, it, okay. and that's what I wanted to uh, to mention. I haven't seen all of it because work has been crazy, and uh, I've been kind of sick. But it's different than I expected it to be. It has a completely different tone than the first season does. It starts out and it's not as I still don't quite know what's going on in it after the first episode because you know it's the first episode of a new season, but it's not quite as eerie, spooky, slow horror that you see kind of a cosmic uh Cthulhu style enemy in the first episode where it's this kind of almost a uh, grand epic scale horror that I'm really interested to see where it goes because that's a completely different take than the first season had so i'm super excited yeah it may be something that you like because even in the first episode it does feel super different that's good cool so so let me i'll let you know how that goes where you you know you read a spoiler cast watch a spoiler cast or read up on what happened in season one and then just jump in on season two if uh if that's something that's uh the kind of horror that you would like i i mean even if it is, if season two is worth it, I think I'm only two like episodes from the end of season one anyway. Oh, okay, yeah, that's not bad. Then you can power through the last couple of episodes. Um, we're doing this this weekend. Uh, I'm really excited and not excited. We had a huge uh, leak in our house oh, no. that uh, that we found out about. Like, I just want to warn everybody. I put this in my geekery because I want to warn everybody about what happened to us. That we went out of town for uh, for uh, just a day or two like uh, for our anniversary and we left the house and it's like i'd sprayed some febreze in one of the rooms and it was like oh okay uh it's kind of smells in here we have some dirty laundry we need to wash it's no big deal you know that musty smell that you get when you haven't done laundry uh in too long so we did that's normal uh it was like we're coming back i just don't want it to stink to high heaven when we come back um well we came back and we couldn't step into the room that like it was so bad that uh, what we thought was Febreze on the ground was actually a complete and total leak that ruined all of the carpet and uh, rotted out some of our furniture that we had no idea had been there for probably months and months and months that had just finally seeped its way through into the main part of the the room. So we had to tear up all of our carpet and this weekend we're putting down uh, tile in there and working on fixing everything. But um, I'm going, I wanted to put that out there for you guys for two things. Um, if the ground is wet, don't be stupid. Stupid like we are, and just assumed you sprayed too much Febreze. And two, they have tile now that looks like really nice hardwood. So we're kind of excited because it's actual like high quality tile uh, that looks like hardwood, but is uh, way less expensive than real hardwood. And it's not like cheaper laminate like we have in the rest of the house. So I'm kind of geeking out about that. And I'm like a super like boring adult now, but it's like, heck yeah, hardwood tile. Hey man, so, home maintenance stuff. It happens. Yeah, it I does. It. And uh, but yeah, I was actually really excited because I didn't know that a tile like that existed only laminate, and it was way cheaper. So okay, well I hope the know. fix goes well. Um, yeah, me too. So I mean, we've been gone for a couple weeks, like since we recorded yeah. episodes early, so that they could hit the feed while you were away. Um, right. But in that time, I beat Shadow of War. And I put okay. beat in air quotes here in the notes because I played through the end of chapter three or whatever it was. I already, right. I already forget if it's chapter or if it was like something else. But the the third section of it and I like tiptoed into section four, which people had warned me about. And it was exactly what they said. It was just there to be a grind. So okay. once I finished three, there was something that happens right at the end of two and then like right at the beginning of three. That's actually pretty cool. Three is not all that long. So three was worth pushing my way through. And then okay, good. I, I hit four and I was like, nope, I'm done with that. So I went to YouTube and I just watched the end that you get at, if, after you do all that grinding. And that would not have been worth it. I would have been so let down. I'm so glad I did what I did. So I beat the game in every like 
sense of it that counts that I care about. Yes. Yeah. That uh, that you don't have to pay for, go through, and spend all of your time in. I totally. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And then I played uh, Fire Emblem Warriors for a while, and it's it's like a fine Warriors game. You know, if you want to beat up a thousand or two thousand soldiers and you know have a Muso game where you're just destroying stuff and be in the Fire Emblem world. That's what it is. I didn't beat it because then all this other stuff started coming out, and it's way better. But it's yeah. it's a game that I'm going to leave on the Switch, and I'll probably go back to and play a little bit. It might just be a game that sits there until I travel, and then you know I'm right. on a plane listening to a podcast and beating up a thousand warriors or whatever it is. Um, that sounds like that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Yeah, like even I don't even like that kind of game, but you know that sounds like the perfect opportunity to play that. Right. So I'm not deleting it off the Switch. It'll just sit there for a while, and we'll see what happens. Um, I also tried Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. So this is, was a yeah. Gamefly game that was actually worth talking about. And okay. it, I, I bounced off of it, but I don't think most people will. It's just the feel of the shooting with like the controller that I didn't like. And it felt kind of oh, like a 90s okay. shooter where it's just a little bit, I don't know, floaty, not accurate, not tight. Yes. It's just, do you know what I mean when I say that? Yes. Okay. I do. So, We're on, yeah. It, it feels like that. It has that like 90s shooter feel to it, which I know is kind of what they're going for, right? I think that's it's what a, they're going for yeah. with it, though, isn't it? And the thing is, I just can't play a game with that type of shooting without a mouse and keyboard. So it yeah. might be a game that I pick up later for super cheap on Steam. Like, I could see this being really good with mouse and keyboard, but on the PlayStation 4 controller, I just hated it. Like, I'm pretty good at first-person shooters. I'm not fantastic. I'm not competitive level. But, like... I've been playing them consistently since I was a kid now, and I just kept getting destroyed in this game. Like, people would just show up out of nowhere, and like a shot or two would take me out, and it, it wasn't fun. So I turned the difficulty way down. I played a little bit of it just to kind of get into the story, and the subject matter they're tackling and the story they're telling, there's a lot there that you could dive into, and I think that's why mm -hmm. I would end up going back to it on PC. Not necessarily the okay. gameplay. The gameplay is... 90s shooter kill a bunch of nazis like if that's what you want to do and you like that style of gameplay you will probably like this game does that make sense mm. yep that's uh, yep yeah. i don't think i would like that kind of game but i'm glad that it exists because i know that there are a lot of people who do like if you were one of the people that really liked the doom reboot last year and you want this setting of wolfenstein like go grab this game you'll probably love it it's just yeah. not me you know which is and fine. i played the I downloaded the Doom demo recently, and it felt exactly like Doom, but it felt like a 90s shooter, and I was not up on that. That was yeah. not what I wanted to play in a shooter anymore, and it was a fantastic game. Like I saw the production value in it, and I saw why people loved it and would like it, but it wasn't for me, and that's what this sounds like for you. It's just not the style of shooter that you're into, and you're even into shooters. Yes, exactly. Yep. No, you got it. I, I think it is for people, like a bunch of people listening right now would probably love it. It's just know what you're going into for the type of first-person yeah. shooter it is. And then um, BlizzCon happened, which I don't pay a lot of attention to, but I always yeah. check out the news that comes out of it afterwards. So I watched all of the cinematics, which have you watched any of those yet? Uh, no, I didn't watch any of the new cinematics that they did. I read up a bunch on the stuff that was going on. Actually, the only cinematic that I watched was the release of Moira, the uh, the new Overwatch hero, um, because I looked at her and I was like, oh my god, she's a shadow priest. And sure enough, through that, like she was a shadow priest and uh, from WoW. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And she's going to be super hard to play and everybody's going to try and fail. And uh, that was the extent of me watching any of the videos from BlizzCon. Okay, well, I read a bunch about it. but Yeah, I always love Blizzard's cinematics, even for games that I'm oh, yeah. not actively playing, because like their cinematics department is just phenomenal. So yeah, I always they're watch... just absurd. Yeah, I watch all of it. So the thing that I came out of it with was that I think I want games adjacent to all of their current games. Like, there, <laughs> there was a Reinhardt Overwatch cinematic, and it was fantastic, just like all of the other Overwatch cinematics have mm -hmm. been that give you kind of a backstory. And that, like, eight-minute video, it made me want a dedicated co-op Overwatch mode or game so bad. Like, uh... give me an Overwatch 2 that is only co-op, and, like, I would love that game. I would play that game to death. And I know they do it sometimes for events, but it's just not the same, you know? Like, and it's I get not a super bored. I did the Halloween co-op mode, and I did it once, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I did this now. And I did it the same way with the other co-op thing where you go through the dungeons and when it was the, the anniversary release or whatever. I was like, okay, this is really cool. This is I'm glad they did this, but that's 
just not the kind of uh, game I want to play with Overwatch. And I'll do it with other games. I love co-op games, but I don't know what it is about that one in particular that's just not what I want to play with Overwatch. And, like, I do. Like, if they added a twist to it to permanently be able to do that, I would play that game a lot more than I am right now, even though it's still kind of an evergreen game no matter what. Um, And then they had kobolds and caverns for Hearthstone. And the thing is, I think it might actually be the mode I want. I just didn't look close enough at the news. But it's kind of like a D&D spinoff type of thing, but in Hearthstone. Uh And right. I thought it was just an expansion, but then somebody mentioned to me that it might actually be a single player, just dedicated mode. And if that's the case, I will go back and play that game. Like, oh, I thought it was uh, just an expansion too, I, but I didn't so did read I. into it at all. So if it's actually like a dungeon delve that you can do as a single player and make like progression in, I would play that. Like one of the things that I dislike about Hearthstone the most is waiting for my opponent's turn. And when you're playing single player against the computer, the opponent's turn is almost always like instant because it's a computer, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I really, really like some of the mechanics in Hearthstone, but I just don't get competitive with it. And yeah, yeah. so if this is really a single player game, I probably will get into it. So we'll see what happens. And then the other thing is that like the WoW expansion, it had a cinematic and it was everything I don't want in a WoW expansion, but... <laughs> It was also everything that I would want in, like, a Warcraft 4. Like, if they took that same cinematic and they just slapped Warcraft 4 on the end of it, I would have been, like, super pumped out of my mind. But Because it would have been an RTS. Yeah, it would have been an RTS, but also, you know, in WoW, it always seemed like more and more over time, it was stupider and stupider that the two factions are fighting. They should just give yeah. up and become, like, one massive giant faction to fight against the Yeah, based the on events. the uh, colossal enemies that they're fighting. Right, that yeah. They, they should not be at each other's throats politically, given what we know, seeing from both sides, yep. that we see all of the political stuff. So you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, exactly It's not that. even dramatic irony that they're still fighting. It's like, no, we see all of that. No, it's just dumb that they're still fighting. Yep. And it's like, yeah, I know Alliance and Horde, and people have some loyalties there, but... Really, all you're doing is keeping friends from playing with other friends because they chose the wrong thing one time 10 years ago. You know, like it it feels like an old concept. 10 years ago, really dated. 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. Let's be honest. And this expansion is just going like, we weren't at war, but now we're at war again. Ah, war with each other. Um, like, and I didn't know there was a cinematic. Like, that really yeah. did. I completely missed it. I'm looking right now. I see it here uh, so that I can watch it when we stop recording. Because through all the stuff that I read about Battle for Azeroth, I didn't notice that there was actually a cinematic for it. Yeah, so if they played that cinematic and then they just threw Warcraft 4 on the end of it, I, I would yeah. have been all about it. You could have my money right then. Like, no problem. But, but as a WoW expansion, I just have no interest in it. Like, I know Legion I got around to eventually, and then I didn't really finish it, but I kind of played a bunch of it. Like, if this is the next WoW expansion, like, I just have no interest at all. I got flying in in Legion, and that was really where I I'm, I'm ended it. That it was a great goal for me to get, and I'm glad that I did it uh, because it was fun getting through all of that and had a great guild doing it. But looking at the stuff that's coming out with WoW, the changes that they're making, the um, just the stuff that they're doing, the the new revamp of the artifacts that they're doing that'll up your armor and all of this stuff. It's just right now, it's not the game that I want. It's not the game that I'm interested in even playing, but I could totally see how, you know, a couple of years from now when that's new, maybe I'll be in an MMO mood again for that kind of game. But right now I'm just like, yeah, that's it's more wow. And yeah, exactly. It's and that that is that's good and bad, but the one thing that I was completely and totally I shouldn't say it's not disillusioned, that's the only word I can think of, but I was completely underwhelmed by was the new sub races that they're allowing you to have that I usually like new races that I really uh, I'm excited I was excited when Goblins and Worgen and all of this came out and Draenei and just it was great and now I see the uh, I see these sub races and I'm like yep they're just slightly different colors or slightly different models and there are so many transmog options out there and so many changes that you so many items you can use to just permanently change the way that your character looks uh, 
just by using one after another, it's just like, eh, that's not that big a deal to have a dark iron dwarf now. That would have yeah. been really awesome ten years ago. That would have been great five years ago. But now it's just like, oh, there's so much more stuff in the game that that seems like it's going to be way too easy to gloss over. And see, I would throw back to the same thing with Warcraft 4. Like, you tell me that there are more WoW races. It's like, yeah, okay, it's an MNO. It, you know, it is what it is. Um, but you take those same races and you say, hey, each of these fills a specific slot as an RTS unit and has unique abilities. Now I'm interested. That's true. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I know that they might never knew another Warcraft. It's just, WoW is what it is, and it's a behemoth now. So I don't know if there's ever going to go back to Warcraft 4. But yeah. I can hold out hope for someday. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the last thing, before we wrap up for the night, we should mention we're getting close to the holidays, and somewhere in there we'll end up doing a Q&A episode so that we can record it early and then have a week off probably for Thanksgiving, which is rapidly approaching now. So, Oh, my goodness, I know. I know. So you guys should send your questions to us, and we will come back with answers in show format sometime here in the next couple of weeks. But this is true. send them to one of us on Twitter, probably me, honestly, or our email, or honestly on Reddit. I'll, I'll go post something there maybe right after we record tonight and start collecting questions for the q a episode so anything you throw our way i will pick it up and i will write it down and make sure that we capture it for that episode that sounds awesome i love doing those episodes i love yeah. being able to talk at you guys like that or talk to with yes i like answering your questions yeah me too okay that's about it for this week you can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback or questions 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 our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have the longer discussion threads and i'll put a thread there for questions on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast and if you want to throw questions at us on slack you can go to slack.geek to geekcast.com for your invite and you know just talk to us there as well if you're uh if you're on there at work anyway and remember we're also part of an entire podcast network so head over to geek to geekcast.com and check out all the rest of our shows i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom or you can send questions to at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beige that's beige with two e's and i blog at geekfitness.net we've been void and beige with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks bye geekies Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the, the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.